Welcome to Breakthrough Brands. You are listening to The Conscious Business Show, bringing purpose, profit, and prosperity into your life and business with your host, Joe Dalton. Jackie Barry, welcome to Breakthrough Brands, or we are calling it now the Conscious Business Podcast. How are you? I'm great, thank you, and thank you for having me here. Jackie, I came across the information that you share online and a very good friend of mine then recommended your book to my wife. As you know, and as people who are listening will know that you're an author, you're also a professional speaker and you're a coach as well. And when I picked up your book and I read it, you made me laugh and brought a smile to my face. And my wife used a pig to break the ice with her peers at an event in Dublin there about three, four weeks ago. So uh, I'm delighted to have you on the show. Well, thank you. And it's good to know that the book is benefiting people over there. And I should probably explain what the pig is, because it sounds very cryptic the way you describe. Uh, yeah, but we like it that way. And if we don't tell them, they might go and buy the book. <laughs> well, that, of course, would be a great thing. But I'm all about clear communications. And so I should say the book is called Experiential Speaking. And it's a book of icebreakers and energizers for speakers and trainers to engage their audience. And the pig isn't one of the activities that I've devised for myself. It's one that I was introduced to probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it's all over Google. It's called the pig personality profile. And what you do is get your attendees to draw a picture of a pig and then you interpret their drawings. But I have to stress, it's not scientific. It's just a good way to break the ice, get a laugh. And when it makes sense with the context of your session, for example, if you're talking about personality profiling or such like, then it always warms people up and then they're more engaged and more ready to listen to your content. Yes, and, yes. and uh, it's a great reference book as well uh, for anyone who is interested in putting their toe and uh, getting into that arena of running workshops or speaking. So well done on that. Well done. Well, thank you. Absolutely. It's been getting great responses from the professional speaking and training world. And mostly because I think there are 34 activities in there. And the vast majority of them are out of my own head. So these are activities that you won't find anywhere else. And each chapter links to a video of me demonstrating the activity with a real live audience somewhere in the world. And you can see then what instructions I give, how much laughter and energy is in the room, and how you can run it for yourself if you want to. The point being, you should adapt it always to suit your content and your learning outcome rather than copy exactly what I do. And that brings up a question, Jackie. Who is Jackie Barry? And where did you come up with these creative ideas? So there must be a person there who has always been curious and always been creative, probably from an early age, I'm guessing. But tell us, who is Jackie Barry? I would say that I have been curious from an early age. You could interpret that in more ways than one. The thing that I've learned in these recent years is that the more playfulness and fun you can introduce into your life and the experience of the people around you, 
um, the more playful and fun life is. And it's the best way to learn. My creativity, I suppose, came from having a career as a copywriter. You introduced me at the beginning of this conversation as a coach, and I wouldn't describe what I do as coaching. I do spend a third of my time writing copy for clients and two-thirds of my time training people how to write better, which can take me anywhere in the world. And it can take the form of training workshops or, indeed, more um, traditional speeches. But I became renowned for audience participation when I co-founded the Professional Speakers Association in the southeast region of England here. And somebody asked me, where do you get your ideas? And I said, well, I get them out of my own head. And they said, you must write the book then, which is what I did. And when I traced it back, it was because I think I grew up playing board games with the family or watching TV shows that were quizzes and games and finding lots of enjoyment in that and then discovering improvised comedy and the kind of games you can play in improv that just leak into daily work and daily life in a really beneficial way. And it's meant that I believe the more you get an audience to do when you're trying to get them to learn something, the more they'll remember it, especially if they're having fun while they do it. And the less that you do as a speaker, the more they are actively engaged and not passively listening. And that means it's more likely that you're going to make a difference to them. Where was the bridge from copywriting to getting into speaking? It all comes from being a writer, to be honest. It comes from thinking, what is the best way to get your message across? Sometimes it's the written word on paper or on screen, because I write a lot of websites. Sometimes it's a spoken word in a seminar or workshop. And sometimes it's through an activity the audience undertakes, because if they do something, paper tearing, running about, some of the activities in the book, they will remember that much more than anything you said or anything they read. Yeah. Like I find a lot of people go out nowadays and they go sort of tactics or they build websites and they build landing pages or they'll build these funnels without looking at the strategy which is needed. And in all my life, I think copy is king. I think copy is the one that creates the curiosity, it speaks to the person emotionally and gets them to take that next action. In your opinion, would you feel that people still understand the power of copy or is it is it a dying art? Well, it's an interesting question. And of course, I'd never admit it to be a dying art. But I do find that lots of people who've been to school and learned how to throw a sentence together think they can write their own copy. No. But they don't understand the art and craft and science of proper copywriting, which is using the power of the written word to influence, persuade and change behaviour. And it's got very confused in recent years with content writing, which is just generating content for the internet, maybe to please search engines rather than human beings. And my view, um, my psychology degree, because that's very closely connected with copywriting, you're trying to influence people by the power of your written word. Um, the other challenge with the word copywriting is some people, they don't know they need it because they think they can do their own writing. They don't know what it's called. And even if they do know what it's called, they can't spell it because they confuse it with copyright, which is to do with intellectual property and trademark law. I think, therefore, there is a lot of confusion about copywriting and the benefits that it brings. 
but I tend to only work with the people who do know what copywriting is and appreciate the value. And that's a lot easier than trying to persuade people who don't have a budget or who don't appreciate the difference that professionally written copy can make. Um, Yeah, it's been my career for my entire working life and uh, it's still thriving. So there is plenty of work out there to the extent that I'm now building my own team. These are all copywriters I personally trained and I mentor every month. They are current or former journalists. And I have so much work on, I can't handle it all myself. And rather than refer it or uh, pass it on to other people or turn it away, I'm now uh, project managing these jobs and my team are doing the hands-on copywriting for me. It is an art. I've tried to master it myself for my own products and services but no it, it it's definitely an art and you know I always commend people that are great copywriters they're wordsmiths they get inside those people's heads they you know tug at the strings and get them to follow through it's, the joy of it is that you get to write in a different style a different tone of voice for every client because you're representing them yeah, in work yeah. the written word but also you're translating what a business owner says because they're often too close to it you're translating it into customer language into the words that will trigger their target market to respond and help them stand out from the competition and reflect them in their uniqueness who's your influence for me it was dan kennedy kennedy is famous for direct response copywriting And there are, of course, other great, great names for copywriters through the decades. Uh, David Ogilvy is probably the main one, known as the grandfather of all advertising. But the way I got into it was actually almost by accident. I knew I wanted to be a writer, but school careers advice wasn't very good. And they said, no, you don't. You want to be a teacher. I said, no, I really, really want to be a writer. And the only kind of writing they'd heard of that made any money was journalism. And I went off and trained as a journalist, but I couldn't get a job. It was as competitive then as it is now. And the only job I could get was writing Freeman's catalogue. I don't know if you remember that, but I would write things like black skirt, two patch pockets available in sizes 10, 12, 14, 16, all garments washable. Please see size guides at the back of the catalogue. Lovely. And that's how I started my career. But I learned there how to sell off the page, how to make every word count, because obviously it cost a lot of money to print a big thousand page catalogue that went to a million people. I ended up a senior manager there with a team of writers and designers reporting to me, traveling all over the world on expenses and having more fun than anyone has a right to in all their working life. Before I took redundancy and set up on my own, doing exactly the same thing, but now for my own clients, and still traveling all over the world, having more fun than anyone has a right to in their working life. When you took that sort of first step from employment to being an entrepreneur, was it scary for you at that time or was it just kind of going, okay, this is just a natural progression? I never dreamed of being my own boss. I didn't label myself an entrepreneur. It was simply that I found myself unemployable and I ended up freelancing as a copywriter and I'm still doing that. 19 years on. So I don't think I would want a full-time job now. No. Unhorrible, we say, in the entrepreneurial world that we're so used to working with ourselves, we don't think anyone else could. Well, I'm just really pleased that I have made a career out of doing what I love. I always said I wanted to be paid to write, and that's what I've done my whole working life. And the irony being 
that what that careers advisor said years ago, you want to be a teacher? And I said, oh, no, I don't. And I've ended up spending two thirds of my time training people how to write. So I've ended up a teacher after all. Yeah, that's it. My career guidance was, you know, I remember going into them telling them that I wanted to be a priest, you know. <laughs> oh, there's always that option. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that, that changed. And yes, lived a life like yourself, traveling the world and uh, having fun. You are listening to The Conscious Business Show with Joe Dalton. So you were doing the copywriting. You're a gifted writer. You're investing all this time. What was the bridge that you kind of went, OK, now I need to speak or I know that speaking is the next part of my career? When did that happen? And were you nervous taking that a step? Because like myself, I speak, I run events, and I'm always terrified just before I get out and speak an audience. As someone said to me, stop saying terrified and say that you're excited. But before I got into the realm of speaking, there was a time in my life that I was questioning myself, can I do it? Am I able to do this? And it took me maybe a couple of months to get it right. And from there now, it's just a natural flow. Did you have that same experience yourself? I do identify with what you're describing, but how it was for me that I've been doing this long enough that I've been through a couple of recessions already when budgets were getting cut for marketing and copywriting. And I wondered to myself, well, what can I do? I'm a senior copywriter. I want to charge senior level prices. How do I compete with people who are fresh from college or people in maybe non-English speaking parts of the world, who charge a lot less than I do. And training was the obvious answer. I thought I have got experience that I can share and the ability to do it in a clear and engaging way. And I started running training courses, workshops as an associate initially, and then also under my own brand. And the speaking grew out of that. I joined the Toastmasters for a while, an organization that's global and gives you some very key skills you can practice in, in a safe and a supportive environment. And I joined the Professional Speakers Association to learn how to make money out of speaking, what you need to do before, during and after a talk to make it worth paying for. Yeah. And I've been involved uh, with the PSA for a long time now, and it has made me a far better speaker and trainer. But when it comes to confidence levels, I'm really not the first to want to be in the spotlight. And there's a big irony in that, too, because I almost did have to force myself on stage always to get over my, I suppose, natural modesty. But for me, what overcame it all was the fact that I know I've got a message to share that the audience will find beneficial and it will change their business, maybe change their life if they take the actions that I'm sharing with them. And for me, it's all about the message. It's not about me. And I have, in order to help myself get the confidence to be a great performer on stage, done all kinds of things that you might label terrifying. I've done dance shows. I've been in choirs and performed. <laughs> and I'm in an improvised <laughs> comedy troupe where we make up musicals on the spot oh, I love that. without knowing the genre, the character, the tune, the melody, the lyrics or anything about yeah. it, which has been, going back to the importance of play and fun, it has grown a sort of spontaneity muscle in my mind. I know that's not biologically accurate, but it has made me much more ready for anything, which has meant that I 
don't have that same fear standing in the wings of stepping forward because I know I'm in the moment, I know my stuff and I can handle it, whatever happens. Yeah, the initial we know our stuff, we know what we're talking about. For me, what I found was when I stepped up and I think I had that fear, will I resonate with the audience? And once 30 seconds into it, then it basically you go into auto drive, really explaining about your craft. But just that 30 seconds, which I always found was, it's like when I did the TEDx, just as I walked on that red dot, I kind of took a pause and went, right, here we go. So it was like jumping out of a plane. And once you get into it, it flows. Well done you. I haven't done the TED or TEDx route. It hasn't fit within my strategy up till now, but I can imagine it's so iconic that when you're on the red dot, uh, yes, you have to do your best. But when you make it all about the audience and not all about you, I think that's the secret to um, success. Jackie, did you then, as you were speaking, you're going, okay, I need to then be more creative. I need to try and get these ideas of how I can delve into warming the audience and making it more fun. Is that when the book came? Because what I've noticed is there's more and more people getting into the speaking arena. There's people who are putting their hands up and saying they're speaking. I know there has been some events in the country here and people have gone to them and there would have been, you know, lots and lots of speakers and a lot of the speakers would have been absolutely garbage. So there's a lot of people just saying they're speaking, but they haven't been trained or they have a message and their message is all wrong. Did you kind of get the book and go, OK, I have all these ideas. How can I enhance my training to make the people more engaged? Because the audience want to be more engaged as well along the route. It is a trend that I've observed that audiences and clients do demand more engagement. I think the traditional model of someone coming on stage and talking for 45 minutes and the audience just sit and listen is fading, not 100%, because some of those speakers are brilliant and they're engaging with their storytelling or the insights they've got that are really important and meaningful to the other people in the room. But not everybody has that skill set, as you say. I find that when a client or an audience demand interaction, often speakers will say, oh, we'll do a show of hands or we'll do a Q&A panel or we'll get people talking in pairs to one another or we'll get them to put their hands up to show their votes and opinions on something. But to me, all those are not engaging because they're so overused as techniques that they've become dull and predictable. And at a time when people are very easily distracted by their smartphone, they could easily be on Twitter or Facebook rather than listening. How do you grab their attention and keep them involved? The activities that are in my book are mostly low tech and they involve plain paper and pen another thing that's potentially going out of fashion, uh, or no props at all. And perhaps an element of competition and gamification, that's another angle on it, you could say. And when you present it to the audience in the right way, so they know how much time it's going to take, they know it's going to be easy, they know it's a group activity, there's nothing that's going to embarrass them, there's no role-playing or humiliation by being pulled on stage in front of their peers or anything like that. They will give you their attention for the short time that it takes to explain 
and then they go along with the peer pressure and the enjoyment of everybody else. And when they know why you're asking them to do it, they're more willing to do it. And it's great because when they have taken part, had a laugh and got the point of it, I know that months and weeks and years later, they remember not just doing the thing, but what they were supposed to learn from doing the thing. Yeah. Have you only one fear when you get up on stage? Um, No, there isn't. I don't really think about fears. I don't think about anything very much apart from the fact that I've prepared as best I possibly can and getting myself in the now, in the moment, in the zone so that I can deliver the best of my best stuff, not too much, not too little, in a way that is going to communicate with the audience and really reach them. What's next for you? Well, I am growing that team of copywriters and splitting my current website, JackieBarry.com, into the component parts so that me as a speaker and trainer, which I've never marketed, even though it's now two thirds of what I do. So the Jackie Barry website represents that aspect of my business. And the new copywriting website, writingwithoutwaffle.com, represents the copywriting that I do with my team of personally trained journalist slash copywriters. And the book website, Experiential Speaking, that's the icebreakers and energizers. What I'm doing more and more is being asked to run what event people are calling an active networking session. I'm using some of the things from the book to make really engaging and involving and fun networking activities that go beyond the stand up and give a one minute pitch or do speed networking. They're they're just fun and games and ways for people to meet each other that where they have a laugh, but then they've got something to talk about in the networking sessions, which are often the most valuable and important part of an event. It's interesting. You know, you were saying that you were over in Ireland there a while back. You were helping HR departments write better copy for advertising. I'd go back to say that I think copy is so important to draw people in. What sort of tips would you have for someone if they wanted to you know, write a small ad or just wanted to get people just to engage with them, to likes on LinkedIn posts. Do you have any two or three tips that you could share? Oh, well, writing adverts has a tried and tested structure through the ages, which is AIDA, A-I-D-A. A for grabbing attention. That will be your headline or your subject line of an email or maybe the opening line of your social media update. I is for interest. And the technique for keeping people interested is to use the words you and your more Mm -hmm. than you use the words I, us, we and our, because people are only interested in themselves. And that's a way of answering what's in it for me from their point of view. The other technique is to turn it upside down in that you write all about them at the top and all about you at the end. D stands for desire. And that's how you turn features into benefits. This is one of the other skills of copywriting. And A for action. The call to action at the end is what makes copywriting different from normal writing, academic writing and other writing styles is that you always want people to take an action as a result of what you've written, whether that's visit a website, download a document, give you that email address, add a like, comment or share or some other action. 
And copywriting is all about that. Start with the end in mind and write backwards from there. Jackie, if people want to reach out to you or they want to get your website or they want to download your book or buy your book, where can people find it all? Thank you for asking that. It's Jackie Barry, J-A-C-K-I-E, B-A-R-R-I-E. You'll find me all over Google and all over social media under that name with that spelling. And the book itself is Experiential Speaking. Jackie, it's been great having you on. You've shared some words of wisdom there. Give us a shout the next time you're in Dublin as well. Uh, We'd love to connect. uh, Maybe we can bring you into the station as well or show you around the town as well. Jackie, thank you for coming on the show here at Dublin South FM. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you next time I'm over there. Take care.